Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Basketball Chilies, where the basketball is covered in chilies. <laughs> Ooh. Nom, 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 mm. nom. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my beloved co-host and dear friend, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Wow, you really upgraded me from actual steed from last week. I just was going with a horse bit, you know? There's only so many things (laughs) that we can do. And now your horse can be your best friend. Yeah, I mean, no judgment. I don't see why. Toby Maguire was really good friends with Seabiscuit in Seabiscuit the movie. They were probably best friends. And Spider-Man was also very good friends with Spider-Horse. So Toby Maguire, yeah. track record of loving horses. Interesting you went with Spider-Horse and not Horse-Man. <laughs> That's true. That's a different superhero who's Horse-Man. Totally different. Uh, he's just a centaur that goes by Horse-Man. Or is Horse-Man a reverse centaur? <laughs> I don't even... Horse-top person body? Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Yup. Oh no. <laughs> well, to clean all of that out of our minds, I'm going to talk about <laughs> housekeeping. Yay! You guys have been so supportive during the first few episodes of Horse, and we are really happy about it. And I want to shout out our new patron, Janice Rubin. Thank you for joining the Horse Party. And special thanks to our producer-level patron, Teal, who always ties her shoes, and they never get untied throughout the entire day. Unlike Kevin Durant, whose shoes fall off all the time when he plays basketball. All the There's time. There's a fun article about that. Just Google Kevin Durant's shoe fall off. It's a fun one. It's very good. <laughs> I know it sounds like we're making a joke, but it's actually extremely it's very interesting. very serious. It's very, it very real. There is science. <laughs> this actually somewhat leads nicely into one of the first stories that I wanted to talk about on our first segment, Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? Oh, wait, I do. I do get it. Thank you. Kevin Durant was the co-star of a video that took place in February of this year with LeBron James and Carrie Champion. It was a video in which Carrie talked to the two of them about a wide range of topics. And one of the things that they eventually got to was Donald Trump. It got to a point where LeBron said about Donald Trump that he doesn't give a fuck about people. And... That sparked Laura Ingraham, everybody's favorite racist on Fox News. Can you even pick one? (laughs) They're all tied for last place, making them all equally our favorite. First place racist. (laughs) So she said, quote, must they run their mouths like that? Unfortunately, a lot of kids and some adults take these ignorant comments seriously. And it's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Now, first thing, no player in the NBA makes $100 million a year. That would be ridiculous. No. <laughs> like that would be obnoxious. I believe the maximum maximum anyone can make is about 32 million if you follow all the specific requirements to earn that status of contract. 100 million dollars a year would be nuts. Well, there is a legend <laughs> that Wilt Chamberlain once dribbled a basketball and he found oil, so he is actually the only person to make 100 million dollars a year. But that was mostly like from uh. gas. Like from gas assets. (laughs) She didn't stop there, though. She went on to say, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach, which no, no, no. More people (laughs) tried to get Hillary to be the coach. But then she said, so keep the political commentary to yourself or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. This is the first time that I've seen like the full paragraph of what she said. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is just like bad from a speaking point of view. It's really bad. It's a bad look for Ingraham. And the reason that I'm talking about something that took place all the way back in February is because recently LeBron James just signed to create a three-part series with Showtime called Shut Up and Dribble. Very good. <laughs> it's set to air in October when LeBron makes his debut with the Lakers. 
It aims to, quote, provide a powerful inside look at the changing role of athletes in our fraught cultural and political environment through the lens of the NBA. In the ultimate petty move, LeBron is turning an insult thrown at him into something powerful and wonderful, and I hate how much I like LeBron James now. He's so good. He opens a school, he uses insults to clap back at Fox News, like, oh, God, he's so wonderful. Dang. This shows that more in any time in American culture, athletes have a lot of power to do good off the field off the court we're not saying that like athletes haven't done things like made political statements or been able to affect change but like in the 21st century especially now in this moment in 2018 athletes can come out and represent and no one is doing this more than in the nba and lebron james is really like embodying this i feel like there had to be so much tumult around an athlete before to make a political statement. I'm thinking about Muhammad Ali when he fought the Vietnam War draft or even mm. more recently with Colin Kaepernick how like there needs to be a firestorm around him to make any sort of political change, which he's doing, but it's mm. like there had to be this massive political debate for him to actually make some moves. But like LeBron is still one of the most famous people in the United States and he's just like doing this stuff over and over and over again. What makes it truly impactful for LeBron is that he is without a doubt the best player in the NBA. Oh yeah, It's no contest that he is the greatest player to be playing currently and he is taking such an active political role and doing good i've never really understood this whole athlete should stay in their lane situation because people come out about things that they don't work in directly all of the time even these political pundits and some <laughs> nba players called them out in the past that anytime these political pundits say something like that they thought a different movie should have won best picture or if they say anything about sports there have been times where people call them out and say things along the lines of shut up in politics or whatever yeah haven't you ever predicted what the weather was like we're not meteorologists <laughs> we're all like yeah. oh man i knew it was gonna rain and it's so foolish to think that just because someone is a professional athlete that they cannot say something intelligent or profound or have thoughtful views on an important subject. And what LeBron said is pretty true. Donald Trump hasn't done anything to prove to anyone that he cares about anyone besides himself or the Republican Party or just basically rich people. I don't want to go on a political tirade, but I don't think LeBron's having the hottest take here. So I am glad that rather than shy away from criticism, he and a lot of NBA players are pushing forward to try to be more active and send more positive messages. So I think it's phenomenal. And I'm really glad that he did the petty move of taking something that had a lot of headlines in the past and now turning it into something positive. Honestly, this is LeBron's lane. Everything that he's been doing in terms of his charity work or his nonprofit work, the fact that we're talking about this in two episodes in a row just shows how amazing this dude is. But everything mm -hmm. that he's doing is relating to his own experience and like, you're supposed to do charity and think about things that you're really connected to. Like he grew up in Akron. So he's been putting all of this money into Akron, a city that like a lot of people don't think about. He's embodying mm -hmm. everything that he talks about. He's looking at the changing role of athletes in politics and culture. If there's anyone who embodies that it is literally him. I couldn't imagine anyone else to produce this. This also reminds me of all the stuff that Dikembe Mutombo. How do I describe Dikembe Mutombo? He was extremely tall. Dikembe Mutombo is seven foot two, and his voice, no joke, sounds like Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. He's a number two shot blocker of all time, and on record, he thinks that he has never committed a foul in any NBA game in which he played. He thinks every single foul called against him was an errant call by a referee. That's extremely good. I love Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> yeah, in the early 2000s, he was named the most generous athlete of all time because he has the Dikembe Mutombo Foundation. He raises money for primary health care and disease prevention in the Congo, which is where he's from. So, like, mm -hmm. he's literally helping the thing that he knows the most. And I think that athletes or celebrities who have a problem to tackle is just extraordinary to see. And what it comes down to, this has nothing to do with LeBron being an athlete taking a political stance. It had everything to do with LeBron being a famous black person taking a political stance against Trump. And that's what makes all of this awful. But I'm glad that LeBron is using it for good. And I'd love the move to turn an insult against someone because I love to do that in any chance that I can. My favorite usage of it that I ever had. Fun fact, here's something new you might not know about me, Eric. I was a baseball umpire for like seven years of my life. You need to stop telling me secrets while we're recording. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I started as a job in seventh grade and then just kept it going throughout high school. There was one instance in which one of the coaches in a game I was working was yelling at me for all sorts of things. And in one particular instance, he thought that I was standing not in the right position to make a call on a close play at first base. He said that from the angle in which I was standing, I didn't have the right sight on it because there was, quote, an optical illusion from my point of view. So I brushed it off. Later in the game, he was arguing balls and strikes from his dugout, which is over to the side at like a 45 degree angle from home plate. So he has no right to try to judge where these balls and strikes are. I called a timeout. I turned to him and I said, coach, from where you are looking, you can't see where the balls and strikes are because there's an optical illusion from the dugout. And he turned to me and he just said, well, you got me. And then he didn't say anything for the rest of the game. (laughs) This is Horace, where I learn more about Mike and our relationship (laughs) deepens. (laughs) But... There's one more piece of news that I would like to discuss in this full court press, and that's some fun stuff. We have two teams celebrating their 30th year anniversary this upcoming season. Two teams who have never won NBA championships before. Congratulations. (laughs) So the first team to announce a special jersey and court on their classic night games is the Charlotte Hornets. So the Charlotte Hornets revealed a jersey, which is the home jersey that they used way back in the day. It's a white jersey with some cool spaced out pinstripes, each of a different color. We will put a link in the episode description at horsehoops.com so you all can look because I'm realizing an audio medium is not necessarily the best way to describe cool new uniforms, but they're beautiful and wonderful and retro and fantastic. They also have a new court, which is phenomenal because the little circle at the top of the key is a basketball, like a bright orange basketball. The part inside the paint where they stand when you shoot free throws is all honeycomb designed and And the part between the three-point line and this honeycomb paint design is a gradient blue to teal shade. And it looks phenomenal. And when I was pulling up the picture for this, I couldn't tell if it was a rendering of what the court is going to look like or an old picture from like 1995. (laughs) It is the current rendering because it's got the little thing that says 30-year anniversary at the bottom. So I know it's right, but it's phenomenal and truly a blast from the past. I have so many things to say. First of all, they're called costumes. Second of all, stop. <laughs> I refuse. Second of all, I never knew why the Hornets never accepted their uh, B-ness. I always saw that it was a misplay. Oh, they were the Hornets, but they're just like, yeah, I guess we're purple. And that's it. So seeing the honeycomb is awesome. Third, I don't know if you see the shorts for the costumes, but there's a little mm-hmm. bee like right in the middle of the waistband, which is just yes. a nice surprise for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun, and the jerseys are wonderful and unique, and the court looks great, too. There's even a little teal swoosh coming out of the butt of the bee, which I think is to signify that he is flying there, but he's not, like, in an active flying position in the center of the court, so it kind of looks like he's farting, but it's all wonderful. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Excuse me, someone tell our bee to stop farting. Can we we please stop? Can someone just talk to the hornet and tell it to stop farting? Please. Can someone do it? I don't know. It's an extremely large hornet. I don't want to be the one to tell (laughs) it. So the hornets are making great decisions. Also making great decisions, the Orlando Magic. Wingardium Basketballosa is what you mean. Right. So they are not unveiling a new court, but they do have throwback uniforms, which they wore in 1994, which are just fantastic. They also have a pinstripe, but it's more of a classic pinstripe. It's this royal blue jersey, like a muted royal blue with white pinstripes and these fun, curly, quirky looking numbers. It's fantastic. It looks really great. They should wear these for every single game, honestly. They're absolutely beautiful, and I'm very proud of the Orlando Magic for doing this. Again, the link will be on the episode description so everyone can understand what I'm trying to describe, but they're so fresh. The the font looks like the Disneyland font. Yes, I mean, I think it might be because when the magic were created, it basically was a 100% nod to Disney. The number that they have on the jersey is 94, but the nine Mm -hmm. is super weird. It's like the D in Disney, which everyone thought was a G. Do you see that? Totally looks like a backwards G. Why does everything in Disney font look like a capital G? This It does look like a G, huh? What was Walt trying to tell us? <laughs> Probably something racist and anti-Semitic. Oh, no. Oh, G for Germany. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So that's all that we have for this edition of Full Court Press. I learned so much. Yay. Wow. About basketball and about me. 
<laughs> the only way that I can learn things about you is by recording this podcast. So I'm glad that we do it. <laughs> Mike, it is my turn to try to blow your mind in return. It is. Yeah, I melted the ever-living crap out of your brain last episode. So let's see if you can return the favor. I'm going to try my best. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is pretty good. Okay. I mean, I trust you. Now, this week on That Actually Happened. Wow, that actually happened. That actually happened. Mike, did you know that the NBA has a branded restaurant in Spain called the NBA Cafe? I know that it exists, but I know nothing about it at all. (laughs) Well, let me tell you everything about it. First of all, it does not make sense that this thing exists. Think of it like a hard rock cafe, but instead of for rock, it's about the National Basketball Association and basketball. Okay. Like, picture it in your mind. Yeah, so just lots of, like, jerseys and random memorabilia and random stuff. And then instead of weird music videos playing, it's probably, like, ESPN classic games. Yeah, and just, like, pump up the jam. But it's in Spain. Yeah. Like, it's not in Las Vegas. It's in Barcelona. I'm going to try to put you in the mind space by reading the official press release when uh, the NBA and a Spanish restaurant group announced that it was going to be created. Okay, I'm down. If the Munch Squad has taught me anything, it's that these press releases are absolutely garbage. So I'm very much looking forward oh, to it. Oh, get ready. Prepare yourself. The National Basketball Association, the NBA, which they put the NBA in parentheses because we did not know <laughs> what we were reading, which I appreciate. Just in case. And Spanish restaurant group AN Group, G-R-U-P, thank you, Spanish, announced today that the first NBA cafe in Europe will open in fall 2016 on iconic La Rumbia Street in Barcelona, Spain. Now, we got the main man here, MBA, EMEA, Vice President of Business and Basketball Operations, Jesus Bueno, <laughs> you know, Chavoy. Wait, his last name is Bueno. His name is, his name is Jesus Good. Yeah. His name is literally Good Jesus. Yeah, Good Jesus is going to tell us about the MBA Cafe. Okay. Question before we start anything. Why is this not the NB Cafe? Like, that's an objectively better name, the NB Cafe. But then they ruins the branding because you can't say NBA all the way through, which I don't know if you knew, but it stands for National Basketball Association. Oh, yeah, right. I did feel like someone reminded me of that very recently. Good. I'm glad that you remember that. Mm -hmm. The NBA has a longstanding relationship with the fans in the city of Barcelona. NBA Cafe Barcelona will be a unique, fully immersive, one-stop destination for fans of all ages and is another great way for fans to get closer to the NBA. Thanks, good Jesus. You know another way they could get closer to the NBA? How? They could fly to America. Well, okay. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that going to the Hard Rock Cafe of NBA, the NBA Hard Rock Cafe, is probably better than going to fly over there. Barcelona has a basketball team. It's the same logo and everything as the FC Barcelona soccer team. They're not as good. I think Real Madrid is the premier Spain team. But Barcelona at least has a team that is at least somewhat reputable. Well, it's good. And I know that there are Spanish players who are from the NBA, which is why this whole thing is like getting going. The NBA is trying to do its whole international outreach thing. Yeah. But the fact that they made this ridiculous restaurant, which is like in the middle of the city, just still makes absolutely no sense. All right, let me give you some cool specs. Covering 1,200 square meters, NBA Cafe Barcelona will feature a range of NBA imagery, memorabilia, and merchandise, all complemented by an exciting menu offering quintessential American bar and grill favorites. Okay, so they're saying it's got horrible food. Yeah. Uh, It's basically an Applebee's, or it really is a Hard Rock Cafe. But here's my question. It was 12,000 square meters? 1,200 square meters. Okay, tw- it's 1,200 square meters. What does that mean in English? Because I don't know what the fuck that means. That's how, that's how things are, <laughs> okay, how but things like, are what, I have no... You said 1,200 square meters, and my brain said, all right, well, those are words. What? <laughs> like, I need, I need a frame of reference. What is that the same size as? I think if they're talking about how big it is, it's probably a pretty large restaurant. Okay. Like, okay, let me do some math for you. Okay, hold on. Okay, here we go. It's actually not that big. So I did math. This is what I've got. It's not actually that big. In square meters, a basketball court is about 
440 square meters. So this is the size of about three basketball courts next to each other. That's it? That is nothing. It is not that big. But Mike, I have so many more cool features to tell you about. Yeah, tell me the cool features, but now I know that this place is tiny as hell. Well, it's actually pretty (laughs) impressive how much random stuff they pack into it because there's an arena-styled four-sided jumbotron over the bar area that always shows NBA highlights and programmings so diners never miss a shot. Switch. Yeah, what's it made out of? 32-inch TVs? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. I'm imagining that all of the memorabilia is lining the wall in such a clustered manner that it's like that house from SpongeBob in the episode where he has to paint Mrs. Krabs's place. And there's so much stuff on the wall that it's completely cluttered and fills almost the entire wall. I'm imagining this in the NB Cafe. So maybe this is more of like an NBA Fridays. Thank God it's basketball. TGI, TGIB. <laughs> Thank goodness it's basketball. <laughs> Thank gosh it's basketball. <laughs> Thank Greg it's basketball. Oh, thanks Greg for bringing thanks, us Greg, basketball. For basketball. Fans will also be able to meet NBA talent including current and former players, mascots, and dance teams during key moments throughout the year. Now, I do not care whether or not Daryl Dawkins can make it over to Spain, but I want to know which of the mascots are coming to the NBA cafe. Let's see. You have to go with the teams that are the most popular and that the teams that have the most recognizable mascots. But here's the problem. The NBA mascot game is not as strong as other sports. I think baseball has the strongest mascot game, mainly because it's the oldest. And so many of the mascots just have the legacy of like, oh, well, he's been the mascot forever. Like Mr. Met is absurd looking. He's just a dude with a big baseball forehead. And it's like, well, we've had Mr. Met for 100 years. He's our mascot. The Philly fanatic looks like a rejected Sesame Street character. And Philadelphia just has to say, well, we've had him for 100 years. I don't know how many NBA mascots I can name off the top of my head, but... Name two. Just name two. Well, I can name a lot. Benny the Bull. Um, the... the uh, <laughs> I forget, uh, See, there's somebody I don't know the name of, but you've got like the, the like dingo coyote thing from Denver. You've got the flame one from Miami. You've got... The flame uh, one? Yeah, he's like a big flame. Like, he is a thing of fire. He really looks like an orange Philly fanatic, basically. But he's got a green basketball nose. You've got the green guy from the Magic that spun around when Aaron Gordon did that through both of his legs dunk in the dunk contest. Like, he was like a dragon, right? Yeah, I think his name is Stuff. I think he's Stuff the Magic's dragon. That's terrible, and I hate that. And I hate that you've burdened me with this information. So, yeah, I think, though, the most famous NBA mascot by far is Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull is god tier of mascot. There are amazing highlight reel clips on youtube we'll put one in the episode description on horsehoops.com but there are some truly amazing benny the bull moments and he's phenomenal so i think benny's definitely making the cut also bull spain running of the bulls it kind of works do you think benny the bull has to take off his head when he goes through tsa i don't think that he himself goes to tsa because he flies private with the bulls team Benny the Bull's not taking commercial flights? Come on. Yeah, you're right. He's very high class. I'm sorry, Benny. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. How dare you? It's ridiculous. But you know, Mike, you can't really get a feel for a restaurant unless you read the Yelp reviews. And I want to bring you into this lovely place where I've given you the Yelposphere. We're going to learn how much the NBA Cafe pays Yelp based on how good the reviews are. Fun fact for everyone, don't trust Yelp. Go to Google reviews because Yelp makes you pay money to have good reviews and they give you negative reviews if you don't pay them money. You know what I love for my sports podcast? What? Recommendations of why you shouldn't trust the internet. Yo, food is so important. After you ball, you need some good food. Or if you're trying to find a good bar to watch a basketball game, you need one with honest reviews. And Yelp is not honest reviews. Internet watchdog, Mike Schubert. Today's episode is brought to you by Google Reviews. <laughs> Our first sponsor on a horse is Google Reviews. Google Reviews. We're not Yelp because no one paid for us. Well, they actually haven't had that many reviews. This is the European one. So this is three euros. So it's kind of expensive, but it's in euros. So it's even more expensive. It only has a three star rating, only 15 reviews, but like 37 photos. And one is a very cute child uh, standing next to a like diagram of Steph Curry. To show how tall he is, which I appreciate. Is it actually a diagram of Steph Curry or is it just a picture of him with his height listed next to it? That's a diagram. That sounds that's exactly what a diagram is. You're describing a picture with a measurement next to him 
when you say diagram, I'm imagining that Michelangelo thing where the guy's got like six legs and six arms. And it's like the anatomy of a man. That's a diagram of Steph Curry to me. It kind of looks like a diagram of Steph Curry, though. I know that there's just a high chart, but like I know how tall he is. And also in comparison, it's very scientific. Okay. Here, this one's from Abigail S. She came all the way from Hoffman Estates, Illinois, to go to Barcelona, and she decided to go to the NBA Cafe. Mm-hmm. One star. The worst place I try in Barcelona. Bad service. Horrible food. I just went there because my husband wants to see the World Cup, but the experience was very, very bad. My husband wants to watch soccer, so we went to a basketball Applebee's. Exactly. Basketball (laughs) Applebee's, why did you not have better soccer and better food? This one is from Jeffrey S., who's from Queensbury, New York, who also gave it one stars. Terrible. It should be zero stars. Common sense things. They could not understand to put salad dressing on the side or leave dairy out of a dish. There is a list of at least 10 things that went wrong, and the waitress was nowhere to be found. Getting ketchup took making a trip around the restaurant to find it on an empty table that had just finished their meal. Okay, we've established that a trip around the restaurant, not that far. It's very small. So I think <laughs> it's three basketball courts, please, sir. Though this might be the laissez faire behavior of Europeans because the manager's answer was to shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if this man writing this review has ever dined in Europe, but. They do dining a lot differently than America. It is not you go in, you go out. You're supposed to just chill and enjoy, oh, I don't know, being in Europe. Like, this is why you don't go to the NB Cafe. Ugh. Mike, also, not called the NB, NB Cafe. I am refusing to call it anything but the NB Cafe. <laughs> so I couldn't really wrap my head around what the NBA Cafe looked like or why it even existed so i actually reached out to one of my friends who was in barcelona and got a good sense of what the nba cafe was so i talked to my friend Catherine, who was in barcelona with her sister last summer and she sent me a very fun email now Catherine had never been inside of the nba cafe or nba chilies slash applebee's slash fudruckers slash ruby tuesdays Catherine says the street that it's on the rambias is a big tourist avenue from hell and is fairly unavoidable because it cuts across the oldest part of the city oh no so it's in the equivalent of times square but in but barcelona like, times square isn't a historic site that has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years No, but sometimes you have to take a subway that comes out of the Times Square station and it's so annoying. But imagine that Times Square used to be like a temple for a religion that isn't practiced anymore. Jeez. Catherine had never been inside of the NBA Cafe, but she got a very good sense of what it looks like outside. When you're walking towards the metro, you are guaranteed to pass by the NBA Cafe, which is noticeable because the building is covered in neon lights and always has obnoxious club music pulsing forth from it at all times. It helps that they've parked some dude bros in suits outside to engage the tourists. So they have basketballs and they like spin it on their fingers. And they also try to amuse all the tourists by speaking perfect English. So they have basically the Harlem Globetrotters outside. But terrible Harlem Globetrotters if they were wearing suits and terrible bros. I don't know. Doing athletic stuff in a suit? Kind of hard. One of the most impressive basketball feats that I have seen recently was on the first episode of The Bachelorette this season, of Becca's season, where a dude did a dunk over, like he jumped over Becca and dunked it in a full suit outdoors. It's very impressive. But that guy was actually a Harlem Globetrotter. He was, but that's still very impressive. But this is just some dude. This is just like Chet or Jesus Bueno. You mean good Jesus? Good Jesus. He's there. But they're not just spinning it on their fingers. The best part of the NBA Cafe Soup Bros is how they try to get people's attention by tossing them a basketball. Okay, that is a problem because if your hands are not free and if you're not ready to catch it, that is really mean. Exactly. Catherine says that nobody ever catches it. Who the hell is expecting a dude in a suit to throw them a basketball a block away from Roman ruins? Also, if I'm walking down the street and you throw a basketball unannounced at me, I'm going to catch a dribble and keep dribbling it. And you've just given me a free basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the gift, friend. I will see you later. I'm not going to eat at your basketball red robin. I'm going to go to these ruins and just dunk on them. (laughs) And that's your fault because you gave me a basketball. 
Come to think of it, Catherine has never seen anyone go in or out of the NBA cafe, which is weird because I've never heard of the NBA cafe and there isn't anything like it in the United States. So I did some more research and it turns out that the only other NBA cafe that I could find used to be in Manila. It was founded in 2014 and then it shut down soon afterwards. I was going to say, and then it shut down in 2014. <laughs> it is definitely not around. I know that it's Yelp and someone probably bought off all these reviews, but the Yelp said that it's definitely not around anymore. I don't think Yelp is that mean where they would lie about whether or not a restaurant is open. I'm pretty sure if it's closed, they would be honest about that. They're not that bad. How much money do you have to pay to make it seem like one of your competitors is shut down? I don't know. You do have to pay a lot of money to let them have your average star rating be above four, though. I know that. That makes sense. No, no, it doesn't. That's so cruel. That's not how review sites should work. What if, though, what if the NBA cafe actually has really good food? It doesn't. I know. Well, like, let's like, what if, though? Then it wouldn't have three stars on Yelp. That's a very good point. (laughs) I wish that the NBA invested more in European travel and like putting on more international games instead of putting a restaurant together, which is in the middle of Spanish Times Square, which is next to Roman ruins. It just it doesn't make any sense. I can't imagine that Paul Gasol, just his celebrity is enough to power people to go to the NBA cafe. Probably not. I don't know that there's anything strong enough to power anyone to go to the MB Cafe unless it's got some sort of reason to go and all of your description has given me no incentive. Okay, what if you went to a restaurant? This is in the NBA Cafe. Think of this as this is like basketball restaurant, just in general. What Mm -hmm. if you went to a basketball restaurant where they let you dunk once while you were waiting for your food? Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, 100%. All right, Mike, I have this business idea. I have this business plan. We make a restaurant and Mm -hmm. people dunk while they're waiting for their food and we call it Dunks. Oh, wow. Very creative name you've got there. And the whole restaurant revolves around like dunking things and other things. Oh, that makes more sense. Like French dip sandwiches. Yeah. And fries and ketchup. Yeah. And mozzarella sticks and cookies and milk. I think what they should do is that when you're done with your food and you have your napkin rolled up, they should bring over a little trash can with a basketball net on it. And if you can successfully make your napkin into the trash can and say, Kobe, while you do it, then you can get like a free dessert. Nice. I like that. Or what if they abolish tipping so that the waiters and waitresses and busboys can have a living wage? I've heard of this place. It's called Europe. (laughs) That's good. Oh, man. I wonder if NBA Ruby Tuesdays has ever done that before. (laughs) That's good. All right. So this actually happened. The NBA Cafe is the sponsored NBA themed restaurant in Europe. And I just told you about it. Well, hopefully the first of many. (laughs) I don't know. I think they need to get their Yelp reviews up. Yeah, maybe they'll just start shilling out more money to Yelp, the true enemy of this podcast. Well, I'm glad I know that that actually happened. It actually happened, Mike. All right. Well, with that in mind, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is three on three. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. The three on three that I have prepared today is for the best and the worst NBA player tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are some absolutely bonkers tattoos. I was inspired to do this by our number three worst tattoo, which just happened this week at the time of recording. Our beloved friend J.R. Smith, who is one of the silliest people in all of the NBA and has had very ridiculous moments, one-upped himself, and he got a tattoo of the Supreme logo on the back of his right calf. Wait, is that real? Yes. I thought that was a photo. I swear to God, I thought that was a Photoshop. No, it's real. I've just texted you a link to it, and it is quite real. That is the craziest. Oh, my God. It slightly makes sense, just in the sense that J.R. Smith once modeled for Supreme's collaboration with the NBA. Supreme, last year, did this NBA slash Supreme crossover where they made NBA compression sleeves and these awful absolutely gaudy jerseys that just was a collage of every team's logo on a jersey and pant combo absolutely gross i don't know if this is a get off my lawn moment but i do not understand supreme 
I don't understand the appeal of them. It's like boring looking clothes with this one logo on everything. And I don't understand it. I don't know, man. I just I assume that someone is cooler than me and they know better. And I'm like, well, that means I can get black cardigans on sale. So deuces. I'll see you later. The whole point behind Supreme is that, oh, this thing is cool because it has a Supreme logo on it. Why is it cool? It's red and it has a Supreme logo on it. Yes, but why is it cool? That's it. I guess J.R. Smith is really just saying, hey, my right leg is cool now. Why is it cool? It's got a Supreme logo on it. Ah, yes, your right leg is very cool. I'm very cool and branded, and it excuses the terrible mental mistakes that I make during the playoffs. <laughs> he makes lots of quite boneheaded moves, most notably this year when he didn't know the score, and we have that wonderful, wonderful, memeable LeBron yelling at J.R. Smith photo, which is so phenomenal. So that is our number three worst tattoo, uh, and that is what inspired me doing this segment. Now, the second worst NBA tattoo is from our good friend, Kevin Durant who we talked about a lot in the last episode, he has two interesting tattoos on his leg. They are big ones of people's faces, both musicians. Can I guess who they are? Yeah. Do you want to take a guess at who they are before I send you the image of these two awful tattoos? Okay. Um, So it would be unexpected. Um, I think one is local Bay Area rapper E-40, and the other is Chris Martin from Coldplay. Both incorrect. I do like the E40 one. That would be a lot of fun. But it is actually... I don't like that you paused because I almost thought I was right for a second. I wasn't (laughs) ready for it. Nah. You were close, kind of. It's not a San Francisco rapper, but it is a California rapper. One leg is Tupac, and the other leg is Rick James. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not good tattoos of either of them. They look poorly drawn. I've sent you the link to it. The eyeballs of Tupac in the tattoo have like a glimmer in them as if like with white ink. So it looks like his eyes are shining or lens flaring or whatever. It is a very off-putting tattoo. It's mostly his face and it takes up the left side of Kevin Durant's left calf. It's absolutely disturbing. Tupac looks like he's melting. He really does. He looks like he's uncomfortable being there. Tupac looks like he got trapped in a magic mirror and he doesn't know how to get out other than like pushing on the mirror. Maybe that's where he is. He didn't die. He just got trapped in Kevin Durant's. That's where Tupac's actually hiding. (laughs) He's become like Voldemort where he can turn and instead of going in the back of Quirrell's head, he's gone into Kevin Durant's left calf. (laughs) Yeah. Or he was cursed by a terrible uh, witch and now he has to live out the rest of his days on Kevin Durant's leg until he does a hundred good deeds. Yeah, so both of these tattoos are on Kevin Durant's left leg. The Rick James one is on his thigh, (laughs) and then the Tupac one is on his calf. So his whole left leg is just interesting musicians. In the article you sent me, it says that Kevin Durant was prone to getting business tattoos, which were undetectable underneath an NBA jersey, but now these are front and center. So I like that his decision was like, you know what, I really want to make a statement, and I really want it to look like someone found two black guys who were friends and then made them caricatures and thought they were Rick James and Tupac. And these are covered when he plays because he plays with compression tights, so you can't actually see them, which makes it less fun. If these god-awful tattoos were on display all of the time while he's doing his profession in front of millions of people on a nightly basis, it'd be far more entertaining. But now you can look at Kevin Durant's left leg and say, I know what's under there. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. I like that. There was a lot of commotion when the Tupac tattoo came out because it is in a more visible location. It looks worse and it was confusing. So people asked Kevin Durant, why did you get this tattoo? And he said that it was mainly because Tupac was known for being woke, being politically incorrect, having a voice and standing up for himself, standing up for what he believes is right. He expressed that in his music. He expressed that in his interviews. He expressed that through his movies, through his artistic work. It's way bigger than him being an artist or making a hot ass song or having a number one record the problem with the tupac tattoo though is that someone on reddit uncovered a tweet that kevin durant made in april of 2009 so it was seven years prior to him getting this tattoo but this tweet is in reply to someone asking kevin durant who his top five favorite rappers are and tupac's number four (laughs) he says biggie who is tupac's sworn enemy and rival is his number one favorite rapper 
and then Jay-Z, then Lil Wayne, then Tupac, and then Nas at number five. So his favorite rapper is the sworn enemy and pretty much the reason that the man tattooed on his left leg is dead. <laughs> man, I'm going to go through my top five favorite rappers and pick which one I want to get on my leg. <laughs> so the number one worst tattoo in the entire NBA. Yes, it is somehow worse than Kevin Durant's Tupac tattoo of his fourth favorite rapper. But the number one worst tattoo is from Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Rondé Hollis Jefferson on his back. It takes up almost the entirety of his back. It is a very artistically, very realistic, well-done drawing. It looks like a picture almost of himself in his college basketball uniform celebrating. So he's got his two fists clenched, screaming at the sky. So he has a tattoo of that himself on his back, taking up his entire back. And when asked why he got this tattoo, Rondé Hollis Jefferson said, quote, myself has to watch my back. It's like that meme where the guy's looking in the mirror and I think he's pointing a gun at the mirror and it says, no, you can't trust yourself or whatever. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I don't even have any jokes. I just love it. I'm happy for him. The meme that I'm referring to, sorry, it's called trust nobody, even yourself. And it's this very bad Photoshop thing that this kid did where it's him standing and then him standing behind himself with a gun. <laughs> So it's like the positive version of trust nobody, even yourself. It's the same message of you can't trust anyone, but it's only you have your back. So get yourself tattooed on your back. I don't know if I trust celebratory me to have my back, though, because he's only there for the good times. Yeah, I need to be in a very studious position to Mm. have myself always have my back. So maybe if it was like a picture of me like studying or or reading a book or or you standing with your arms crossed like a bouncer maybe outside of oh i don't know a tourist attraction basketball themed restaurant in spain someone that looks like they're there to protect you and have your back and potentially throw basketballs at unsuspecting patrons no don't go in this nba cafe don't do it i have your back don't go in there So those are the three worst NBA tattoos. We now move on to the three best NBA tattoos so we can leave on a more positive note than myself has to watch my back. The third best NBA tattoo is actually the entirety of a tattoo. It's not one individual. It's just the collective tattoos of this one man is Derek Williams. And he has across his back and down his arm just these really cool, intricate Roman and Greek style statue tattoos. So All over his body, it looks like stuff you would see if you went to the Met. And it's just really cool and picturesque and something that you don't necessarily see a lot on tattoos in general, especially on NBA player tattoos. It's very common in the NBA to have tattoos that cover your entire arm, your entire chest, all that kind of stuff. And it's usually just like a random cacophony of important images that mean something to the players. But I feel like I haven't seen a single Roman statue on a player's body before. And Derek Williams, the entirety of his tattoos are these. And I think they are so sweet. Wait, I need to look at a photo of this. I just texted one to you. I feel like the ladies over at Spirits would absolutely love this and could probably tell us more about what each of the statues means. But these are just cool looking tattoos. And I'm sure they have symbolism to Derek Williams. But I also wouldn't mind if he had no symbolism behind them. And he's just like, yo, I like statues and shit, man. I love going to museums. <laughs> Obviously, we'll put links to all pictures of all of these tattoos, the good and the bad of the episode description at horsehoops.com. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of like those. I've seen a lot of photos of really intricate statues where like the stone can looks like it's fluid, like it's water or mm-hmm. it's... um. It's clothing. I think this captures like a lot of the line work that you see in statues that's so defined. Dang, good tattoo, bruh. Yeah, it's probably it's really took good. forever. It probably took a very long time in a lot of sessions, but I think well worth it. So that is the third best NBA tattoo. The second best NBA tattoo comes from someone that plays for my beloved New York Knicks, Lance Thomas. And through the research that I was doing, I learned that Lance Thomas is from my home state of New Jersey. So I like Lance Thomas even more. So the one that I chose is one that he has on his right bicep. And it actually is a cool looking tattoo. So he grew up in New Jersey and it's this very intricate drawing of the outline of the state of New Jersey with a lot of images and words like loyalty on the inside of the state border. And then on top, it is this really intricate crown, like an old school Victorian era crown on top of it. And it looks really cool. But what's more impressive, Lance Thomas drew his own tattoo. 
So he drew this entire design. Apparently, when he was growing up as a kid, he was really into art and doodling and sketching. And from a young age, people knew that he was a very talented artist. He was a visual arts major at Duke where he went to college. And he took this love of art and turned it into a really cool tattoo design. This is so sick. I know that like you usually bring in an image when you go to get a tattoo and like the tattoo artist cleans it up. I mean, if he did any of this with his own hand, this is extremely impressive. I, I want an entire podcast and this is horse to just do this podcast where we just talk about like the hidden talents of NBA players. Ooh, that could be a fun three on three. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> three worst talents of NBA oh, players. No. <laughs> It would have to be something where it's not best worst. <laughs> like three best something and three best something else somehow to differentiate them. All right. For number three, DeMarcus Cousins, super into taxidermy. When he's not stuffing shots, he's stuffing animals. Oh, my goodness. We've done it. We've done it. No, good for Lance Thomas. This is really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And he drew it himself. So now we get to our final tattoo that we will be discussing the best tattoo of any player in the NBA, and it is of Jason Terry, who has the Larry O'Brien trophy tattooed on his inner bicep. The tattoo itself, not necessarily significant or pretty or anything like that, but what is significant is that he got it tattooed before the 2010-2011 NBA season started, and that is the year the Dallas Mavericks, which he played for, won the NBA title. So this dude did the ultimate call your shot. That's beautiful and all, but like, what if they hadn't? That's the thing. This is something that happens and usually gets roasted on the internet. People will tweet out images. It's usually fans, not players. It's usually fans tweeting out, oh, Patriots 2011 Super Bowl champs or whatever. I don't know if the Patriots won in 2011. If they did, this joke will be less fun. But people will do that to support their team or whatever. But they usually will do that when their team is slotted to win that year. The Mavs were not slotted to win that year. This was the first year of the big three in Miami when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh all teamed up to take their talents to South Beach. And it was a foregone conclusion at that point. Oh, wow. The Heat are going to win almost every game this year. No one is going to compete with them. Spoiler alert. The Mavs ended up upsetting them in the finals. But the Mavs were not slotted as a favorite to win the finals by any means. I don't think very many, if any, people thought the Mavs were going to win the title that year. And they defied all odds. I have been annoyed by Jason Terry as a fan. But I got to respect him because this is... An ultimate confidence move that paid off wonderfully. I like to think that Dirk Nowitzki was fighting all impulses inside of him. But like, man, if we if we don't win it all, though, then Jason looks like an idiot. That's the best silver lining for all of his teammates is that it's a win win for them. If they win the finals, they win the finals. If they lose the finals, they all get to make fun of Jason Terry for the rest of his life. Except it'd be weird to be like, hey, Jason Terry, remember that time you got a tattoo and then we didn't win? So they'd always be making fun of themselves, too, which I don't know if that works. I don't know. I think the best tattoo is positivity. I mean, yeah, but you could also say that if they didn't win, it would be exuberance or egotism or hubris. Ah, it would be the tattoo representation of hubris, I guess, or overzealousness. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter because they won and Jason Terry can now brag on everyone. Mike, I'm glad that you found your SAT flashcards from 11th grade while we've been (laughs) recording this podcast. Yo, I got to put that Latin I took in high school to good use. I took it for two reasons. One, to help out with English on the SATs and Two, I moved to Texas after eighth grade and in New Jersey, where I was before, we had Spanish class once a week. And in Texas, a lot of people were bilingual and it was going to be really hard. So I didn't want to take Spanish. I didn't want to take French because I thought I would never need to learn French for any reason. I lived in France for six months, but then I took Latin. Super helpful. (laughs) You know what? I'm not going to take French. Who speaks French now? This dead language. That's what I'm going to invest in. I needed help for the English SATs. It was my worst subject. And hey, it did help a little bit. And I actually really enjoyed Latin class. It was a fun time. I had some good teachers. I went to the state championship for Latin in high school. That was some fun nerd stuff. How do you even have a championship for Latin? They have Latin conventions and there's different things that you can do. Where do you do what? 
What? Well, there's a test that everybody takes, and it's not called the decathlon, but it's like the Latin word for decathlon, where it's a 10 different subject test. So you take that, and you see how you place first everybody that's at the convention. And then there's like subject-specific tests. There are athletic things that are based off of uh, sporting events that happened in ancient Roman times. And then there's this Latin Jeopardy thing called Kurtamen, which me and my buddy Tom did, where... Is that why they call him Kurtamen? Because Tom was in it? Yeah. I think, yeah, they named it after Tom. You're supposed to have like a team of five and it was just me and him. And it's kind of like Latin quiz bowl slash Jeopardy. There's a question that's asked to both of the teams and then you buzz in. And then if you get it right, you get questions just for your team to get bonus points. And the greatest thing about all of the questions in this is that you don't get deducted points for wrong answers, unlike Jeopardy. So anytime there was a silence and I was sitting there, I would buzz in. And then if it was a place, I would guess Rome. If it was a person, I would guess Julius Caesar. And if it was a year, I would guess the year that Rome was founded. And I think I was right like one of the times and I angered all of the proctors. But Tom and I, just this team of two, made it past regionals into state. And then we competed in the state Kurtaman tournament and we got trounced. (laughs) Mike, this is so cool. Man, you must have been just like the bee's knees in high school. I was the coolest. You could basically call me Troy Bolton. Your reputation was just like Latin, dead, and nobody cared about it. Wow. Except for the people at that tournament. Wow. I'll have you know that I had dozens, (laughs) dozens of friends. At least one friend, and his name was Tom. (laughs) Tom, hi. I'm Tom, Mike's friend. You know from Latin? How's it going, Tom? <laughs> I'm Mike's only friend, but we were so close because we were just hanging out in Latin. Yeah. Well, that is the end of this segment of Three and Three, and that is the end of this episode of Horse. But Eric, thanks for coming along on the ride. You know what? If you hadn't told me all these great things about Latin, I just would not have cared. But now I'm totally on board. So no, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. Social media is run by Mike Schubert. Our theme song is by Bettina Campomanes. The art is by Alison Wakeman. And the website is by Kelly Beckman. And Latin by Mike Schubert. <laughs> Special thanks to our supporting producer, Teal. You can find us on social media at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, you can find us at Horse underscore Hoops. Because that's what we always say. Horse, Horse Hoops, Hoops was banned. Was banned. <laughs> They're probably lost in the NBA. (laughs) In the NBA cafe. In the NBA cafe. They got lost in the NBA cafe. You can also find us on our website, horsehoops.com, for episode descriptions and fun other stuff we post there. And check us out on Patreon for extra content that is extra audio, extra write-ups at patreon.com slash horsehoops. Horse is a part of Multitude, which is an independent audio collective with some other great shows like Potterless, Join the Party, Waystation, and Spirits. So if you need some more podcasts to listen to, head on over to Multitude.Productions to learn about those other shows. And we are a young, fledgling podcast just coming off the bench, just getting our reps in and taking our shots. So the best way for you to grow horse from a very small pony, I'm mixing metaphors, but growing it's from a small pony <laughs> who can shoot a basketball into a large horse who can very well shoot a basketball is tell a friend. The best way to get a podcast to grow is by word of mouth. So recommend it to a friend, your family members, uh, the guy who washes your car, the guy who gives you bagels, uh, the person who fixes your computer at work. Just tell them about horse. We would really appreciate it. Yes, and as we end every episode in customary fashion, we put our hands in and say something at the end of the count of three. So my idea is we will say one, two, three, and then say is how many rappers I like more than Tupac. Uh, It's long, but I think it's going to get us all hyped up. Oh, it is. So one, two, three is how many rappers I like more than Tupac. Oh, my God, Mike. Oh, see you later. Get out of here. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.